This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. God is good, amen? Man, I'll tell you, I have uh, have really, really had just a real special encounter with God um, over the past couple days. Um, some of you may or may not be aware that we have uh, some men from our church that went up north to De Pere to an abbey, and uh, Pastor Andy is leading a silent prayer retreat. I didn't know how hard a silent prayer retreat would be <clears throat> until I had to be silent while I was at the retreat. <laughs> And I've been up there to this abbey before with Pastor Andy and with our staff. Pastor Andy actually introduced it to me before he was on staff here at the church. Um, and uh, back when we just traveled up there, he invited me to go, and it was such a blessing. But I thought it was going to be a silent thing then, but it wasn't. We talked, and I'm like, oh, I thought we were going to be quiet, but Pastor Andy and I broke the rules, I guess. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> and and then, then I went three other times with the staff, and we always talked. And um, so this time I'm going to this place that I'm familiar with now, but this time we're not supposed to talk. Matter of fact, we weren't even supposed to look one another in the eye, all right? No eye contact, no, hey, what's up? No, none of that stuff at all. And it was really awkward because I love our church, I love our church guys, and we had 19 men up there that I know personally, and I love talking to them. And I can't look him in the eye or talk to him, but I'm standing right next to him, and it's super, super weird. And uh, then you sit down to eat with him, and you're like right across the table from somebody. And it's an extreme discipline to be able to, you know, make sure you don't break those rules. And it was really difficult, but I'll tell you what it did. What it did for me was it really made me focus on the Lord and not on these other people. It, it was, man, it was crucifying my flesh a little bit because I, I was wanting to speak and I was wanting to break you know that silence but I couldn't you know and, and it was so difficult at times but wow the Lord just spoke to me and and I want to share one thing with you that he shared with me I walked in this maze thing that they have out there they cut some of the grass in the gardens kind of in a maze and it takes about an hour to walk through the whole maze and as you do what you're supposed to do is you're just supposed to talk to the Lord or or you know just listen to his voice whatever you kind of feel led to do in that in that moment it's just supposed to slow you down and when you're in this maze you're walking around and and God was just dealing with some heavy things in my heart and some things that I thought I had dealt with from years ago and he just brought them up and I'm like thanks God I was planning on coming up here and getting all kind of exciting vision and direction for church in my life, but instead you choose to bring up things of the past that I thought were dealt with, but apparently God said, no, I'm bringing these things right to you. And so here I'm walking through this maze, and then on your way out of the maze, you're supposed to come out the same way you went in once you get to the center of it. So it's kind of like a big winding circle almost. And then as I walked out, I kept hearing this over and over and over and over again in my spirit, that you are valued, you are forgiven, and you are free. You are valued, you are forgiven, and you are free. I don't know who that's for here today, but maybe you need to hear the word of the Lord speak to your heart today, saying you are valued, you are forgiven, and you are free. Amen, somebody? Amen. 
I think that that's huge. So keep praying for those guys. They're still there. I left last night in order to be here with you all because I've been missing you guys. And uh, I, I, I wanted to share the word with you as we wrap up our series on habits today. Um, before we do that, though, I have two really cool announcements that happened while I was on vacation that when I came home, I was like, wow, all this great stuff happened. Maybe I should go on vacation more often. No. <clears throat> but uh, one of the things that happened while I was away that I was informed of as soon as I got back to the United States was that as of last week, we have overfunded, completely funded our Momentum Project. Wow. Amen. We, we, uh, we have overfunded that thing. The goal was $20,000 in order to um, remodel uh, some things in our church and update some things just to take care of what we have and to make some, uh, some purchases that I talked to you about at the beginning of the year. We have completely overfunded that. Now the Momentum Fund is going to stay open. So if you committed at the beginning of the year to still give to that, please, by all means, you can always still contribute to that because that fund will always be open. But so far as the money that we need to complete the projects that we have going on, we have the money to do all those things. So thank you so much for giving. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. I appreciate that so much. It just shows the health of our church. It shows the unity of our church. And that is just absolutely fantastic. So the Momentum Fund will continually be open, but that project is fully funded. Thank you for that. Man, what a blessing. Such a huge thing. Now, on top of the Momentum, I thought this was a part of the Momentum uh, money that came in, but I was also informed by um, our accountant when I got back that someone, I don't, I don't know who because I don't look at who gives what, um, but she let me know someone gave a special donation in the church in order for us to purchase camera equipment so we can begin to take our services via video online. So thank you, whoever you are. God bless you for that. Thank you for answering the voice of God leading you to do that. That's huge. We appreciate that. So here in the next few months, we're going to be assembling a team, and we're going to begin working on uh, how to you know, put that equipment together, how to work that equipment, how to edit those videos so we can begin to put the messages online. And also one of the things that we want to do is take a little snippet, like a two or three minute snippet of the sermon, and we want to have kind of like at the end of it, click here to watch more, to be able to empower you to be able to use the app or to use Facebook or whatever social media or email connection you may utilize and you can take the little two minute snippet and share with your friends in order to help evangelize and share with them what God is doing here at Word of Grace and it may encourage them that day as well to hear the Word of God. So we're going to begin to do that as well to take those little snippets and empower you with those as a tool for us as a church family to use to spread the message of what God is doing here in our church family. Isn't that awesome? I just I think it's really, really great. So man, lots of great things happening, a lot of great things uh, going on. Um, be in prayer for our men. Those of uh, you uh, who are wives of those men who are up there, I can tell you um, when I did lift my head up on occasion, um, I would see guys in the middle of the garden laid down on their face before the Lord outside. I saw guys walking around with their hands lifted. I saw guys weeping um, in prayer rooms. God is touching your husbands. He is ministering to them, and he is doing powerful things in them. So be praying for them, and be aware that when they come back from something that powerful and that impacting, when they've had that kind of encounter, the enemy loves to immediately come to try to steal what was sown. You know that, right? 
the Bible says, Jesus said about that when the, when the seed is sown, the enemy likes to immediately come and try to eat up or swallow up that seed. And so we need to make sure that we stay in prayer for them and that we help encourage them when they come back because the enemy would love to say, oh, it was just that weekend, it was, just, it was not real, or come against them with all types of pressures that they may be walking into. So make sure we stay in prayer for those men as well, okay? All right, well, let's get into the Word today, but before we do, let's just go to the Lord with a word of prayer. God, I thank you so much for what you're doing in our church family. It's such a blessing that we get to experience your grace and your goodness in this season of our lives, in this season of the life cycle of this church body. Thank you so much for all of the great testimonies that we were able to share. We say a special prayer for those men who are still at the Abbey, that you would just put a hedge of protection around them that you would just guard their hearts and their minds, Lord, with your presence, with your peace, God, that they would be able to hold on to those things that you have done in them and that you're still doing in them. Pray you give them safe travels back as well. Lord, we ask that you would help us today, those of us who are here, hearing your word, that we would grow from this day. This would be an exciting day for us because you're going to deposit and invest something in us that is going to transform us from the inside out, that's going to renew our minds, that's going to help us to see a little bit more clearly or whatever you desire to do in us. We ask all these things and more in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. Amen. You know, as we've been talking about habits over the past few weeks, I want to wrap this up by talking about going to the next level because the Bible deals a lot with transition. The Bible talks about transition all of the time because change and transition are a part of our lives. It's something that we can't escape. You know, we we make a transition when we get married, when we move out of our parents' home. We make a transition when we have children. We make a transition maybe when we find a new job. We uh, go through transitions when we may experience difficult things in life as well. There's all sorts of seasons that we experience these things. And I believe that God doesn't want us to just simply exist and coast in one season. He always wants us to be growing and moving forward. And I think that for us to understand how to develop the habits to be able to do that and be aware of transition and change and be able to invest properly in moving forward, we can better glorify God with our lives and we're going to be healthier people who are moving forward in the purpose that God called us to and us as a church. So let's go to the Bible, to the book of Exodus and chapter 16. Now Exodus is written primarily about the exiting of the children of Israel who had been in Egyptian slavery for 400 years. These guys had been whipped, had been beaten. So that means there's generations that were born into slavery. And that's literally the only reality that they were aware of. I mean, some of these people were brought into slavery, but then imagine these children that were raised up, and that's all they know. That's normal to them. And God said, no, it's time for my people to be out of that bondage, to be out of that slavery. So he rose up a leader who would be his mouthpiece and his representative of the people, and that man's name was Moses. And Moses came and confronted Pharaoh, and he told him, let the people of God go. Pharaoh didn't want to do it. He eventually conceded and said, all right, Take the people away after a series of plagues that had happened to the land of Egypt. And now God's people are free, but yet they're walking around in the wilderness on a journey to what God has told them would be their promised land that he had for them. But they're not quite there yet. And they're only two and a half months into this walk, okay? We've only been free for two and a half months in Exodus 16. 
And this is what the Bible says. Let's look at verse 1. They journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Two and a half months, you've been a slave your whole life. didn't take you long to complain, right? You've been a slave your whole life. This is all you know. Two and a half months into you being free, you're complaining. But look at who they're complaining against. They're complaining against, the Bible says, Moses and Aaron while they're in the wilderness on this journey to their promised land. Verse 3, the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat. You remember those pots of meat we used to sit by and just snack on? Oh, yeah, I remember that. When we were in the land of Egypt, we ate bread to the full. You have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall, they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Then Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, At evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. In the morning you're going to see the glory of the Lord as he hears you, and he has heard your complaints against the Lord. But what are we that you should complain against us? Now, it's interesting there that Moses and Aaron say this, because the reason that they bring this up is they're saying, Why are you complaining against us? It's the Lord who brought you out. Is God not sufficient to be able to take you through where he has led you out of. A lot of times we will believe and trust God up front, but then after we've seen something happen, we wonder where is God? As if somehow God is only a partial uh, completer. He's only, he'll only finish half of what he started. No, if God began it, he's going to finish it. Amen? Do you think that God was like, oh yeah, I forgot to feed those guys. There's like a million people down there. Oh man. God's saying, if I did all of that and orchestrated all of that to lead you out of the land of Egypt, why all of a sudden now has Moses become your source? That's what Moses is trying to get the people to see. Moses is trying to say, I'm not the one who brought you out of the land of Egypt. I was used by God to help lead you out, but it wasn't me. It was God who did it. He just used me. So why are you complaining against me? Why aren't you bringing this petition to the Lord? Because we always want to blame. We always want to look for someone to blame when things aren't going our way. He said, you need to go talk to God about this. He said, but God has heard you. He said, don't complain against us, basically. Verse 8, Moses said, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints which you make against him, and what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses spoke to Aaron, Say to all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. Now, it came to pass that when Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel that they looked towards the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you'll know that I am the Lord your God. 
So it was that quails came up in the evening, and they covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. He's saying, listen, God is going to provide for you. They called this substance manna. They could only gather a certain quota of this manna. If they tried to gather too much of it, then it would go away. If they tried to store it overnight and they tried to heap for themselves more than, than they should, it would be infested with worms. But get this, that same substance that fell on the ground, when it would come to the day prior to the Sabbath, which was the sixth day, then they would gather twice as much that they needed because they weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath day. They were supposed to rest, and it was still fresh that next day. It didn't ruin that day. So it's just a miracle of God providing for the children of Israel. Now, God didn't just do this once. He didn't just do this twice. He did this for 40 years every morning. Now, I don't know about you, but my mom used to buy us Cheerios every morning. We ate Cheerios. Got a little tired of the Cheerios. You want to make me a bowl of Cheerios, I will politely decline. Because I ate them so much and so often. Maybe if you were a college student and you lived off of the ramen noodles or whatever, you're like, yeah, I'm good. I don't need those anymore because you had them a lot. But 40 years same breakfast for 40 years. Man, I bet you they got creative with that manna stuff. I mean, I bet they rolled it into different shapes. I bet you they would sprinkle it with stuff. They probably would make all kinds of different things out of it because the same thing for 40 years. But it was not God's best for them, but it was enough to sustain them because remember, in the wilderness was not where God wanted them to be. He wanted them to be in the promised land that he had given them. It took them 40 years to get there, not because it was that far away. If you actually look at a map from where they were when they came out of Egypt and where the promised land was, not that far. It just took a lot of people who continually would complain, who would bring sin into the camp, who weren't listening to the voice of the Lord. All kinds of things happened in between the time when God originally provided them with the manna and when they actually stepped foot into the promised land where God would have them go. So let's fast forward. Now Moses has died, and Joshua, who was Moses' right-hand guy, he's now in charge of this same group of people, and they have now entered into the promised land 40 years later, manna every morning, okay? Manna every morning, but now we're no longer in the wilderness. So let's fast forward to Joshua chapter 5, and let's look here at verse 11. Joshua chapter 5 and verse 11 says, And they ate the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. Now, God provided for them. God took care of them for 40 years. And so what that shows us is that God will provide your needs because you're valued. Amen? 
You see, God will provide for your needs because He cares about you. That was not God's best, but God was not overlooking their need. He knew that they needed something to sustain them. So He provided for them for 40 years. They didn't have to worry about breakfast for 40 years. They had this stuff. They would just go out and gather it for 40 years. God says, you're valuable to me, but this is not my best for you. You want to eat this for 40 years and stay in this land? That's your choice. I'll keep providing for you because I value you, but this is not my best for you. There's another level I want you to go to. There's another step that I want you to take. Sometimes I think that we get too content with where we are in our relationship with God. We get too content with where we're at in our marriage. We get too content with where we are in our jobs or where we are as parents. Oh, I'm doing good enough. And we're just munching on the manna and we're not... Not experiencing God's best. Sometimes we can get too complacent with manna in the church. It's a miracle. It's amazing. I'm so thankful this is happening in my local congregation and in the church. But God has more. And I want God's best, not just the stuff to sustain me, to get me through the day. I want God's best because He has said it's mine. He said it's my promise and He is faithful to do what He said He was going to do. I appreciate Him valuing me and taking care of me while I'm in the wilderness, but the wilderness is not the best. I need to go to the next level. I need to make the transition because when they moved into the promised land, and Joshua gathered some of the, the, the food from the land and they saw the things that were promised to them and they ate of those things, then the manna stopped. Could you imagine 40 years of Cheerios and then all of a sudden you wake up one day and it's not on the ground. What a weird day that would be, right? What are we supposed to do? Go out there and make it yourself. Well, it used to just rain from the sky. But now I have more responsibility in the game because now I'm where God wants me to be. Because where God wants us to be, He says, I'm going to do this for you to get you where you need to be. But then when you understand certain things about me and you're experiencing my best, your level of responsibility moves up a notch. Because now you've got to plant some seed. Now you've got to tend to... The, the, the trees and the plants. Now you've got to harvest them and prepare them. As to where before it just fell from the sky and you'd go pick it up. You see, it sounds a little harder, but it's so much better. Amen? Amen. Cheerios for 40 years or the produce and the fruit and the diversity of all of those things that God had provided and God had raised up. Which one would be better? Which one would we want to choose? You see, God is going to provide for our needs and we thank Him for that. We're grateful for that. But for us to move to that next level, God wants us to be responsible. Amen? But God provides for the season that you're in. He's going to provide and lead you where you are in that season. Because when they were in the wilderness, man, they weren't in a good place. There, there was complaints. There was sin in the camp. There was all sorts of things happening. They were just getting their basic needs met. They weren't experiencing God's best. But once they experienced God's best and the manna ceased, now all of a sudden I've entered into a different season in my life. Because you want to know what they were getting prepared for? They were getting ready to go into battle. 
Now, manna was good enough to keep me waking up in the morning and keep my stomach full and keep me walking and moving so I could get to the promised land, but it wasn't sufficient to give me the nutrition that I needed to engage in battle. Because if that were the case, God would have kept providing the manna. But God said, no, you need more because this next level that you're entering into is going to take more. And so you need to make sure that you have the best in you. And so the manna stopped flowing because they had tasted God's best, because they were no longer lost, and because they were about to go to war. The manna was insufficient. I have tasted God's best. I have experienced that next level. I have encountered Him at that level. I had this understanding now that I did not have before of God because now I'm walking in His promise. I'm no longer just getting my basic needs met, but now I'm experiencing His best. I'm not lost anymore. I'm right in the middle of His will. I'm where He wants me to be. But now my responsibility has increased because I'm about to go to war. And what I used to get was not sufficient for the battle that's to come. Because if you look here in Joshua chapter 5, you read about how the manna stopped. You read in Joshua chapter 6, that's the story of the battle that was at Jericho. If you remember that story, maybe you were raised in church, maybe you heard that in Sunday school about the walls of Jericho falling when the children of Israel marched around it, and they went to battle. And then after that, you read the rest of the book of Joshua, it's battle after battle after battle. I thought I was in God's best. It's not that I was where God wanted me to be. Yes, but just because I'm where God wants me to be does not mean that there's not going to be opposition. Sometimes I step right in the middle of God's will and I'm met with a whole bunch of opposition. But he's telling me that now I'm responsible to make sure that I'm investing in myself the things I need to keep moving forward. Instead of whining about where's the manna. Instead of whining about poor old me, I go, no, now I'm responsible because I know what to do. I know what it takes to bring that produce up. I know that I've got to water that plant. I know I've got to spend time in the Word. I know I've got to spend time in prayer. I know I've got to invest in my spiritual growth and my spiritual walk because where I've been in the level of understanding that I have, I now know what it takes because the enemy is going to come against me. Just because I learn more of His Word and I get closer to God in relationship and fellowship doesn't mean that the enemy leaves you alone. Does it? No. It doesn't mean all of a sudden you become like super Christian. You're just like, pew, 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 pew. Leave me alone, devil. Pew, pew, pew. Not how it works. I'm in the middle of God's will. Leave me alone. Pew, pew, pew. That's my little gun sound. Sometimes I can be right in the middle of God's will. And I feel like I want to quit. I feel like I want to give up because it's hard. It's not always hard. It's not always difficult. But man, the enemy does not want me to move forward, does he? The enemy doesn't want me to succeed. The enemy doesn't want to see my marriage thrive. The enemy doesn't want to see me be a a, a godly example of what an employee should be at work. The enemy doesn't want me to raise my children up in the fear and admonition of the Lord and showing them uh, how to read the Scripture. The enemy doesn't want you to have devotion time with your family. You see, I know I'm supposed to do these things. I've even tasted of God's best. But when the battle comes against me, 
of sleep or the battle of other people's opinion or the battle of, of the fear of, of, of losing uh, the approval of certain groups of certain people. All of a sudden now, I don't know if I want to do that. Maybe it's a financial battle. Maybe it's a battle between you and your spouse. Whatever the case is, the battle is there. It's present. You feel the pressure and you want to give up, but you know what God wants you to do. And for us to move to that next level, we have to take responsibility for where we're at and what we know to do. Amen? Amen. To go and be successful through all of those battles took them still trusting God, but it took them doing what they knew they were supposed to do. Because God said, man, let's go buddy. It's not coming back. You've tasted my best. Now I want you to tend to it and take care of it because there's battles to be won. Because this is yours. Because I promised it to you. And I'm still the same good and faithful God. But the manna's over because you've experienced better now. I think sometimes people get burnt out in their walk with God or they get burnt out in church because a tragedy happens or because maybe things aren't going their way. And they get really frustrated. Maybe things aren't going their way in, 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 their, in their church. Or maybe things aren't going their way in their home. Things aren't going their way at their job. And so they want to throw their hands up in the air and give up because they feel like they've invested so much. They put themselves in the seat of almost thinking God owes me something because of all of the things that I've done. And we like open up our trophy closet and we say, God, look at all those trophies. Come on. Don't you see all the things I've done in the past? Isn't it time for me to coast? Isn't it time for me to just not do anything? Don't you owe me something for all this? Look at how much money I gave. Look at how many mission trips I've been on. Look at how many people that I led to Jesus. Look at how many times I was at church when nobody else was there. Look at how many times I showed up for the prayer meeting when they didn't show up. Look at how many books that I've read. Look at how many scriptures I've memorized. Look at how many experiences I've had with you. Look at my trophies, God. And God says, I don't care about your trophies. Amen? God doesn't care about our trophies. He's not impressed. He doesn't go, ooh, I forgot about all of those. I better, I better give you some manna, I guess. No, God's not going to give you the manna just because you're trying to manipulate Him and play some pity party with God. God says, you be responsible because you know what to do. You be responsible for the level of understanding that you have in the season that you're in, regardless of how difficult the battle may be. Because making that decision to be faithful and to be consistent and to do what you know to do in that season is what's going to help propel you to the next level. Because God was saying, I'm wanting to get you guys to the promised land. I'll give you manna. I'm wanting to get you to the promised land. But you need to listen to me. You need to trust me. And then when they got in the promised land, now you have a different level of responsibility and understanding. You have a different responsibility to your church. You have a different level of responsibility to your children. You have a different level of responsibility to your spouse, to your coworker. Because now I have learned things and understood things and God has led me through things and I am accountable for that information. God doesn't want me to just sit on it. Amen? God doesn't want me to just sit on it, pouting, waiting for the manna to start flowing again because it's not coming back. The manna was something for a season, but when you're in a different season, it's time to own up, take responsibility for where you're at. 
the next level is going to require different habits. It's going to require us to do something different, okay? Because now that things can oftentimes get very comfortable, very convenient, very easy, but God says, no, now you have a different responsibility. You can't live off of yesterday's manna. You can't live off of those things anymore because now you have a different level of responsibility. You are in a season of transition when you become discontent with what is. When you become discontent, you need to ask yourself, God, what are you leading me into? Because I find myself discontent. I I find that now I'm, I'm beginning to get antsy. I'm beginning to feel like, God, what do you have for me now? What are you trying to show me? What are you trying to lead me into? Because the enemy would love for you to get stagnant and complacent. Because no matter how wonderful water may taste, no matter how refreshing it may be on a hot summer day, if all of a sudden the spring that was feeding that water begins to cease to move and the water is no longer moving or flowing, the water that was once great becomes what? Disgusting. Becomes stagnant. Becomes infested with diseases. Becomes infested with other, other bugs and, and bacteria and all kinds of junk that we wouldn't dare drink. But it once was great. It's the same body of water. But it stopped moving. The enemy would love to get you to stop moving in your relationship with God. The enemy would love to get us to stop moving as a church. The enemy would love to get your marriage to stop moving forward and growing. Oh, she knows I love her. He knows I love him. We're good. The enemy would love to get you stagnant. In your relationship with Him. Oh, I, I go to church enough. I read my Bible enough. I, I'm a good enough Christian, whatever. And we get stuck and we get stagnant. But God's saying, no. I want you to get discontent with the common things in your life. Because what I have for you is so much better. But that level is going to require different habits. It's not just going to happen. You've, all, you've heard it said that if you keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect different results, that that's the definition of insanity. I can't keep doing the same thing over and over again, thinking if I keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, that God's going to somehow owe me. No, God's saying, I'm wanting you to go to the next level. It's going to require different habits. You're not used to tilling the soil. You're not used to planting those seeds. You're not used to having to water those plants because it, it formerly just kind of fell on the ground. And it was there for you. But now that you're where I want you to be, you've taken that next step and you want to stay there. You can't wish for yesterday. It's time for you to invest in those habits by doing something different. You are not going to lose weight by watching The Biggest Loser. It's a great show. It's an inspirational show. We had one of the winners of that show speak here a few years ago. He was very inspirational. Oh, I want to lose weight. I want to lose weight. How did you do it? Not watching the show. Eating a donut. <laughs> I think I'll order some pizza. They show the, you know, like a pizza delivery commercials in the middle of The Biggest Loser. Oh, that sounds good right now. You're not going to lose weight. Why? You've got to do something different. Is it hard? Sure. It's not what everybody else is doing. Everybody else may be watching the show and eating the pizza, but you've got to do something different if you want to go to that next level. Amen? Going to that next level is going to require different habits. And, uh, and so what I want to ask you this morning is what habits are you going to need to invest in to go to the next level? 
What kind of habits are you going to need to invest in to go to the next level with your spouse, with your family, with your church, with your relationship with God? What habits do you need to invest in? You know the answer to that. I'm not going to stand up here and give you that answer because that's between you and the Lord because you know. What are those things that you feel that responsibility for, but perhaps you've been ignoring because you've been waiting for the manna? And God says, no, this next level is going to require something else. The next level is going to require different habits. So what habits are you going to need to invest in to go to the next level? I think there are a few very valuable lessons that we could learn from the children of Israel when they went through these seasons of transition. So let's look at that. The first thing that I think that we can understand is that blaming other people and complaining, they keep us stuck. That's one of the ways that we become stagnant. If you find yourself blaming other people for why things aren't a certain way in your life, or you're constantly complaining about things, then you're probably not actively involved in making change happen. You have just become a blamer and a complainer. And you're beginning to actually allow that junk to fester up in your life and it's keeping you stuck and stagnant. So that, that gets us nowhere. That doesn't move us forward. That doesn't take us to the next level. So check yourself. That's a good litmus test. Oh, I'm, I'm blaming someone else. Oh, I'm, I'm complaining about this or complaining about that. Oh, man, it's time for me to take responsibility if I'm supposed to go to this next level. Amen? Instead of always pointing fingers. Second thing that we can learn from the Israelites is we need to be on the proactive side of where God is leading us. We want to be on the proactive side to where we're looking for it, where we're actively investing in what God wants us to do next. And we're saying, God, how can I be proactive about this? How can I actually take a step in the right direction, not just reactively because of something that has happened in my life? But I want to do this in a proactive way because I'm anticipating God leading me where He wants me to be. Amen? See, if I'm anticipating good things from God, then I know that where He's leading me is going to be good things. And so therefore, I will invest ahead of time in those things because isn't it so much better when I come under attack from the enemy and he tries to get me depressed get me to feel sorry for myself get me down make me feel defeated and all of a sudden I've been proactively investing my time in the word with him and all of a sudden I may start to feel depressed I may start to feel down but then something starts to bubble up on the inside of me do you know what I'm talking about You've been, you've been, man, I feel awful today, but then I hear, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Because I've been proactively investing. When I don't want to treat my spouse with love, honor, and dignity, I hear that I need to treat her as Christ treated the church, how he loved the church by giving himself for her. Oh! And then all of a sudden, that proactive investment begins to come out in time of crisis or pressure or confusion. All of a sudden, I'm reminded and I'm able to go back to the work because I've been proactively investing. The third thing we can learn from the Israelites is to step out in faith. Not when everything is perfect. Not when everything is just my way and everything is just easy peasy and it just makes sense. Yeah, sure. Sometimes God wants you to step out in faith in that next level when you don't really know exactly how it's all going to turn out. I, I, let's go back to the weight loss example. When, when I go to the gym, I will see people who are obviously new to physical fitness equipment. 
And it's pretty entertaining sometimes to watch some of the things that they will attempt to do there because they aren't doing it correctly or they're making up some kind of exercise that's not really even an exercise, but they think if they pull on this lever and they pull on this line and do this thing that they're doing something. And, and, and people that are in there, they're doing that and they will quickly get discouraged because they may not invest in knowing the proper way to do things. And they're like, this isn't working. Just because they showed up doesn't mean they're going to get the results that they want. But here's the thing that I love about when people come to the gym and I see new people. One of the greatest things is that I'm thinking, man, you know, they showed up. Even though they're not there, hopefully they'll invest in learning what to do. But the thing is is that they showed up and they're doing better than all those other people that are still sitting on the couch. Right? And I'm like, they're not, they, they may be fumbling around. They may not be doing it right, but they're there, okay? That's what I mean by stepping out in faith, not when everything is perfect. You step out, man, I may be fumbling around. I may not know how to do this just right, and, and I may be getting some funny looks, but, 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 but I'm there. I showed up, okay? I did it. And I think that that's important. We need to learn that, to step out in faith even before things may be absolutely perfect and we may have everything down just right. We showed up. We're there. So I'm going to encourage you today, step out into faith. The next thing, you are valued and God will provide through every transition. God provides. If He's calling you to that next level, He wants you to go deeper in your walk with Him. It's time for you to start taking up the mantle of responsibility. You don't have to, don't have to worry. Well, what if, what, if my, what if my spouse doesn't respond the way I want him to? What if this doesn't happen this way? What if I'm a control freak and everything's not going to go my way? Well, guess what? You have to trust and rest in that trust that God's going to provide through the transition. Amen? Amen. I've been through some difficult transitions in my life. I've been through some difficult transitions as a pastor. We've been through difficult transitions as a church. It's part of our lives. But God has provided every single time. Every time. And every time I see the hand of God move through a transition, especially a rocky one, I only get more and more confident in His faithfulness. I only get more and more confident in His faithfulness. Amen? Amen. Transitions I've been through in my life, times that I thought, man, 10 years ago, if I would have had to go through that, I don't know if I would have survived, but because I had a foundation to build upon and because I've seen God's faithfulness through and through, I know that He is faithful. Some of you who have lived life a little while and you've got some years behind you and you've been doing this thing for a while there's stuff that doesn't even phase you anymore that freaks other people out you almost just go that's nothing God is faithful let me tell you what he did for me amen and then lastly in order to move forward you are going to have to do something different can't keep doing the same thing You can't keep doing the same thing, whining why the manna is not there. God says, nope, you're responsible. There's more there for you. And I'm wanting you to step out and reach for it and take hold of that responsibility. Regardless of what season of life you may be in, regardless of what issue that this message may be addressing, for us to go to the next level and develop the habits that God wants us to do, in order to go to that next level, we've got to do something different. We've got to do something different pray this message has encouraged you today. Let's pray. 
Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.